Ephesians 5 finishes with the husband-wife relationship, doesn't it? But chapter 6 continues with relationships. And today it's between parents and children. And then next week we will look at the slaves and the masters. But whenever Paul writes, he clearly expects children to be present in hearing the words of Scripture and of Jesus in the church. Children are clearly a part of the church. They aren't treated like pagans that need to be brought in, but rather members of the church who take part in worship in the hearing of God's word and hearing it preached as well. So before we begin looking at these verses, one to four, children and parents. Parents, is there someone small missing on the sofa beside you or on the floor in front of you? If there is, pause it and bring them in. Because it's amazing what children can pick up. For those who have children, you will, you will know that they can pick up a word from someone else and they will go on and on about that little saying or word. And well, last month David mentioned Adam and Eve. And there was a, a young member of our, our church who hasn't started school yet. And well, he heard the words Adam and Eve and had to talk about Adam, Eve, and the snake. You mightn't have thought that they were listening, but they were. It's amazing what they pick up. So before you switch off, because you maybe think this isn't relevant for you, or next week because you do not work or you do not have children, you will see that it certainly is relevant to you. In the month of July, the BBC had a, a number of parts of a documentary about the life of Rupert Murdoch. And it interviews many different people uh, across the couple of episodes. But people recall, and Pierce Morgan was one of them, that whenever he visited Rupert Murdoch eating dinner, even as children, Rupert Murdoch's boys especially, before they were even teenagers, he was toying with his boys. From they were a young age, he was pitting them up against each other, uh, teasing them who would gain control of his media empire. And the documentary highlights the fractions that begin to appear within the family. Fallouts between, well, husbands and wives and siblings speaking out against one another and their father. A household that is totally fractured because of all sorts of different reasons. And of course, it's not just the Murdoch household that is totally fractured. There are many households that are fractured. And well, one of the reasons is that people do not honor God in their homes. We need to reevaluate using God's word what a godly home looks like. Because a godly household is built on Christ and his word. You know, the, the wise man built his house upon the rock. And uh, we stand firm on Christ, the solid rock. The Psalms often speaks about God being the rock. And it is Christ and his word that we are to build our lives and our homes upon. In Northern Ireland, or even more generally in the West, people judge their parenting ability by judging their children. 
some of the key markers people might look for are maybe their child's education or their job or their lifestyle, what interests they have, and even maybe what they wear, how they dress. But when you do that or others do that, in doing that comparison, it's really sinning, isn't it? Because we are judging on how proud we can be of our children. Because my child did that, but not that. Our homes, our Christian homes, should be focused less on children's outcomes in relation to the culture and the the world perspective and opportunities and be focused on Christ and his word. So today, as you listen along, some of you are not long married, maybe a couple of years married. Husbands, you are to set the spiritual temperature in your home. Some of you have children, new, newish children, or young children. Some of you have older children. You need to build on Christ and his word, your home. And maybe as children go back to school, because this year will look a lot different. Maybe it's an opportunity for you to build your house on Christ, the solid rock, and his word. And if you have no children or grown-up children, or if you have no parents left either, remember that we are all part of God's family, the church. Paul writes to his brothers and sisters, but of course they aren't his brothers and sisters, but they're adopted into this one family. So let us see how a godly household is built on Christ and his word. Firstly, there are instructions to children. Now, some of our children will be starting school for the first time or returning to school after maybe six months off. And well, teachers, you have a challenge, don't you? Because maybe there's been six months of doing what you want when you want or not necessarily listening or following instructions or directions particularly well. And one of the things that you will have to do, especially in primary school, but probably secondary as well, is to remind children of the school rules, to not disturb others. And there's going to be new rules this year as well, isn't there, about having to wash your hands and to stay away from others. But parents, I hope you have your Bible open in front of you. Bring your children beside you and show them this as we study together. What is the instruction from God's word for children? Well, very clear in verse 1, isn't it? Children, obey your parents. Obey. Now, sometimes obeying can be really difficult, can't it? Sometimes we get annoyed at our mum or dad. We get frustrated. We maybe get angry. And sometimes it can just be really hard to obey our parents. From the smallest, or people, our children who are three, two or three, to our teenagers, to those who are older and living at home, obedience is hard. But we are to obey in the Lord. Obey your parents in the Lord. You see, obeying our parents is part of what being a Christian is. To obey our parents is 
part of our life in serving and following and loving Jesus. Because if you trust Jesus, you're a Christian. If you're a Christian, you love Jesus. And if you love Jesus, you will want to serve and please Jesus. And one part of that is obeying our parents. But sometimes we don't do that. Sure, we don't. Sometimes we ignore what our parents say. Sometimes we do the opposite of what they say. But remember when it is hard, your parents ask you to do it, yes, but Jesus asks you to do it as well. And whenever we fail to obey, that's sin. But we remember that Jesus died for our sin as Christians. And you'll see that we have to obey. And Paul expands that a little bit into verse 3, doesn't he? He says, and he quotes the fifth commandment to honor your father and mother. So there's a wee bit of an addition to obeying. It's respecting our parents. But the fifth commandment is not just something that we learn in Sunday school or maybe even in school in our read. It's something to know. It's not just for the small children, but it's for each of us from our teens and even those who are unmarried or living away from home. We are to honor your father and your mother. And what that looks like changes with age, doesn't it? You not expect you're taught to do the same things as whenever they become a teenager. But what does it look like? Well, it means maybe, yes, obeying, but maybe for our teenagers, it's not complaining about our parents in school whenever they don't allow us out somewhere or rolling our eyes behind their back or just being grumpy with them. Yes, it might be hard to obey. Yes, your parents are not always right, but as children, we are called to honor and obey. And it's the same for adults. For adults, it means respecting the wisdom from your mom and dad. It means caring for them, visiting them, providing care where it's needed. And a lot of you have done that over the last six months or so. And obviously have done it before as well. It's just one example of how we can honor our parents. And we can do that no matter what our age or what stage of life we are at. So honoring our parents is listening and obeying, saying sorry and thank you. But those of you who are parents, you know that children reach a point uh, in their toddler years where they ask lots of questions and sometimes the dreaded repetition of why. But why? Well, Paul gives us instructions, but boys and girls, Paul gives us reasons why as well. He gives us two reasons to obey. So why do you think we should obey our parents? Can you think of any? Because they are older? No. Because they are important? Well, they are, but that's not the reason. Because they're always right? Well, that's a no. Let's see, boys and girls. Follow with me, uh, and you'll see, maybe with the help of mom and dad, two reasons why we should obey parents. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Here's reason number one. Four, this is right. And then in verse three, just before that it says, this is the first commandment with a promise 
that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. So two reasons. This is right and that it may go well. So we'll just take each of them in turn, boys and girls, very quickly. This is right. Boys and girls, we obey our parents. Adults, we obey our parents because it is the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do because God asks us to do it. And in obeying our parents, it provides us an opportunity to please the Lord. So for our younger members, maybe you're a little bit frustrated that you just quite, can't quite serve the Lord in, in different leadership positions just yet. Well, here's a way that you can serve Jesus. And it's just by obeying your parents because it's the right thing to do. And how good of a witness is that, especially to your teenagers, if you were to obey your parents because it's the right thing to do. To not sneak off and go off somewhere else without your parents knowing. Or to not say things that your parents instruct you not to say. Or to say nasty things about your parents behind their back. How much of a good witness it would be that this is right. It's the right thing to do to obey your parents. It's all part of loving and serving the Lord. Regardless of what our friends might say to us, honoring and obeying our parents is the right thing to do. You'll hear a lot of chat in LLW and stuff, form time of peer pressure. But obeying our parents, we do it not because of peer pressure, but because it is the right thing to do because it serves Jesus and pleases him. Obeying our parents is the right thing to do. And the second reason is that it may go well with you. Again, Paul continues with this motivation for obedience. And this is part of the fifth commandment. But we need to remember where the fifth commandment comes in the Bible, don't we? It is given to God, or sorry, by God to God's people after God had rescued them from Egypt, God loved them, he rescued them, and then he gave them words to obey. So it is God's grace, God's rescue first, and then this obedience. And well, this verse 3 doesn't mean that if you keep obeying your parents that you live forever and ever. It doesn't mean that but it means that we would live a life that is blessed, that we would live an abundant or full life under God. So regardless whenever our time is up on earth, throughout our life, we know that we are under God's blessing always, that we're always under God's hand and God's care, and that ultimately we are looking forward to heaven to those eternal promises. Israel were looking forward to the promised land, but we learned in Hebrews 11 that not only did they look forward to that, but they looked forward to a heavenly city. And so it must be with us. We look forward to have a, a blessed life on earth, always, always knowing that heaven awaits us. 
So we are to be obedient, but we aren't always. We do not honor or obey our parents as we should. We don't build necessarily our relationship on Christ and his word. There's only one human who fully obeyed God's commandments, and that is Jesus. And in Luke's gospel, whenever Jesus goes with Mary and Joseph to the temple when he's about 12, and they leave without him, and they return and they're looking to bring Jesus home, this is what Luke records for us. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus was obedient. Jesus was perfectly obedient. And we needed someone to be sinless. And it was Jesus. Because whenever we sin, our disobedience and sin is placed on Jesus. So that whenever we trust him, whenever we follow and love and obey him, we he takes our sins that we're left with none and we are part of this big extended family. Jesus is perfect. We are not. And we need Jesus. So what does God want for us children? Whether you're very small or very big, he wants us to do the right thing. And that is to obey we honor God in our homes whenever we obey our parents because that is following Jesus and his word. A godly household is built on Christ and his word. So boys and girls, follow Jesus, trust his word and obey it because yes, it might please your parents, but more importantly, it pleases your Lord. So there is the instruction for children, but there is also an instruction for parents in verse 4. Now, notice Paul, whenever he is writing, he has already mentioned in, well, verse 1 about parents, in verse 2 about father and mother, but verse 4, who does he single out? Fathers. Because it is the father who is in the position of authority. Fathers, husbands, you are the spiritual leaders in your home. If you aren't, you should be. You need to be setting the spiritual temperature, just like elders set the spiritual temperature in the church. Fathers, you are the head of the household. And while Paul singles fathers out here you have a special responsibility although mothers often have more time at home with children dads do not neglect them do not neglect their spiritual needs and do not neglect your responsibility it might be easy to not get involved but you have a great responsibility which you should not neglect because a godly household is built on Christ and his word. Last week, David reminded us that fathers have been, or husbands, have been instructed to love their wives, and now, well, they are to instruct their children. 
But moms, you aren't exempt from this first, for I think at least two reasons. First reason, many husbands and fathers abdicate their responsibility with children. And secondly, two parents normally raise the child, mother and father. And Deuteronomy 6 talks about discipling children and really parents take the rearing of the child seriously, both parents. So Paul, he does single out fathers and fathers especially need to follow God's word and lead. But we will extend this to mothers as well. And while Paul, he gives us a negative instruction followed by a positive one. And while the first instruction he gives there is, do not exasperate your children. And we know what that's like, isn't it? To irritate and frustrate someone intensely. Now, of course, children can be irritated and frustrated at times. But what Paul is getting at is that parents should not seek to constantly cause their children to be agitated or irritated or upset or angry with them. Because Paul writes in the Roman culture, and of course, in the Roman culture, the male husband, the male father was really authoritarian. A wife and children really possessions rather than family. And this is the context Paul writes into, to not exasperate their children, not to use your children as mini-me's or mini-slaves. Paul instructs us to not exasperate our children. But we will exasperate our children, won't we? Especially when we stand firm to God's word, the Bible. That's what we want to build our home upon. You will have annoy children whenever you expect obedience or modesty for example it is possible to get pushback on those things but Paul's thing it's not just in those little instances but it's the consistency of which we might exasperate our children fathers should not exasperate their children with inconsistent discipline insensitivity outrageous demands or absence of interest. Parents aren't to exasperate their children by placing a, a crushing burden on their children's shoulders because maybe you're trying to replay your life through them, pushing them in areas of interest for you in school or the sports field or jobs or even relationships. Fathers are ultimately to reflect our Heavenly Father. God gives his commands in the context of grace. Grace with a view of obedience for blessing. So think what kinds of things exasperate your children. What kind of things causes them to be bitter internally or towards you or rebel externally? Sometimes it's very little and it's like an eruption. But how do you exasperate your children? Are you teasing them or provoking them? Maybe whenever they're teenagers or older, you are, it's tempting to harass them, to know every single detail of their social life or to push them in music or in school. 
the constant teasing or put-downs or constant frustration or mood towards them from you? How are you displaying favoritism in your home? What things exasperate your children? Whether they are difficult toddlers, sleepless babies, or grumpy teens, remember that children, they are a gift from God. And gifts are to be enjoyed. The negative is do not exasperate, but the positive instruction is to nurture. You see, Paul writes to bring them up. Well, that Greek word is to, to nurture. And then he goes on in the training, which is the word for discipline and instruction of the Lord. You're to nourish or nurture our children. Just like we don't eat one massive meal for the whole week, we need little and often, as it were. So it is with our children in their spiritual lives and then teaching them. It isn't a one-hour lecture on Life 101 that you can sit down at the kitchen table and give. It's not a rapid fix. Although sometimes those conversations are needed, aren't they? It's not a rapid fix, but it is long-term relational care. We just don't leave children to their own devices and let them figure life out. We don't try and find a way to be their best friend, although that does become a temptation for many. We're not to be their yes man or yes woman, but we are to direct them and grow them in Christ. Because it's amazing how Maybe a grumpy, destructive six-year-old or teenager does become a loving Christian adult, but they need nurtured. And Paul gives us these two words, discipline and instruction. And we'll just think about each of these in turn very briefly. Firstly, discipline. Fathers are to exercise authority graciously. In teaching and training, fathers should not be afraid to say no to the world, the culture, or maybe what their child wants. Discipline, although at times for both parent and child it is painful, it is good. Read Hebrews chapter 12 whenever you have your, a little bit of time, but the writer writes this in verses 10 and 11. Our fathers disciplined us for a little while, uh, for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines for our good, that we might share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful, but produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Discipline to receive is painful at the time but it is good. It's to work for our good. And while God's the Father's discipline is always gracious, it's always for our good. And while earthly fathers are to reflect that, to reflect discipline, not out of anger or bitterness or frustration, but love. But love. We need to discipline out of love out of Christ's love that he has for us. We need to show that 
to our children. And then the second thing is this, instruct. In verse 4, that the training and instruction of the Lord. See, of the Lord is the principle, isn't it? You will teach your child many, many things. But the foundation of all that you teach them must be built on Christ and his word. You'll teach them anything from lefty-loosey to their righty-tighty to their ABCs. But you also teach them God's word. But whenever you teach them anything else, if you teach them how to farm, you also teach them dependence on God. If you teach them how to play sports, you also teach them that a Christ-like witness is more important than winning. And that's hard for me to say. Teach them about your business and about making money. You'll make it clear to them that honoring God is more important than money. And that money is a, a gift received that can be given to others. The primary tool, mums and dads, that you have to nurture and train and instruct your child is, of course, God's word. It is God's word that is a means of grace, along with our prayer and our times of worship together in the sacraments, that they would see God's grace in those things. So use God's word. Pray as a family. Just don't use God's word as a stick to show your child everything that's wrong with them or your spouse everything that's wrong with them. Yes, that is necessary from time to time, but also use it. Use God's word to show them Jesus and the grace of God and the forgiveness we have in Jesus. Dads, moms, parents, you need to be saturated in God's word and grace through Jesus. Be men and women of the book. Be men and women of Christ. One of the reasons we have our, our prayer times, we have our men's Bible studies, we have our small groups, is that you would be men and women of the book and you would use that at home as well. Because remember, Paul had been teaching in Ephesus for more than two years. He is bound to have brought up about how to rear children, passages like uh, Deuteronomy 6 or Psalm 119. Paul tells them to instruct using God's word. Do you sublet your child's life out because of that? Or the spiritual life? Because normally our children have Sunday school, BB, GB, Jam, and Counter in Children's Church. And we are incredibly thankful to all those leaders. And what that looks like in the future, we don't know. But what about you as parents? Do you just forget about your kids and let them figure it out? In the last six months, how often have you instructed your child in God's word? Because normally through the year, that is maybe done for you. Do others train your children more than you do? Because you are the primary ones in your child's spiritual development. Parents, you need to be training your children in the Bible. Godly dads will be trying to read their Bible with their children, even when you're late home from work and exhausted and tired and you have more work to do. You will discuss how to apply the Bible to your children. Because, well, 
building your house on Christ and his word is more important than swimming lessons, than exam results and revision, than sports and music. The most important thing that you can give to your children is not stuff to enjoy, but Jesus. Do you believe that? Do you believe that knowing Jesus is more important than anything else for your child? You need to build your house on God's words. Yes, it is difficult to bring up children. And this is where maybe older parents or other parents can help us from really practical things to home life and work life routine to what Bible stories or books to read or even discipline. Spiritual nourishment lies with the parents as their primary responsibility. As the church, we can help a little bit. We can carefully expose your child to the gospel. But you need to be disciplining and instructing. If you have no children or living parents, you can still please God by loving God's family. Because together... We are part of this one new family, brothers and sisters in Jesus. And each of us has an opportunity to serve parents or as parents to pray for children, to help children, all in doing so, serving Christ and his church and pleasing the Lord. We can only do all this, well, with the help of the best and wisest father, the best father, the best fathers on this earth, whoever you might think it is, they are flawed, sinful, and human. But scripture tells us that fathers, they will do what's best for their children. You know that. So how much more our father in heaven? Because God the father loves us and nothing can separate us from his love. He protects his children. He provides his children ultimately with his obedient son, Jesus, so that we can call out to him, Abba, Father, because we are adopted into this one family. Our hope is in Jesus. We will sin as children, as parents, but we run into the loving arms of the Father knowing that we will be accepted through Jesus, that we are loved and forgiven, that together, we are part of this family of this most wonderful and best and wisest father. So let us build our lives, our homes on Christ and his word.